A warm welcome to all of you in worship, not only for those of you here, but those who are listening and watching online to First United Methodist Church, Dunedin, Florida. It's my honor and privilege to be able to speak before you this morning. I know many of you from having been involved here almost two years now with my wife, Carlene. I've entitled my message, A Test of Faith. Let's consider what your test of faith is all about as we go into an attitude of prayer. We know there's many different things we can talk with God about or converse with God about, pray about. We're going to focus on four different things today. Let us be in an attitude of prayer. O God of the psalmist and God of our lives today, we praise you and thank you for all of creation and all of life. On this day we call Father's Day in the United States. We are grateful for those fathers and those father figures in our lives who have guided us and sustained us through the years. However, we are aware that not all people have been fortunate as others to have had positive and loving experiences with their fathers. We pray for them as well. And for those of us who are fathers or grandfathers or uncles or father figures, enable us to be kind and compassionate and loving. The second thing we're going to pray about today is our youth group. For about 3.30 this morning, our youth director, our youth director, Leslie Goodell, who's part of this praise team, another adult and seven youth, as you know, God left our church parking lot to drive about 16 hours straight through to Virginia. They're going to hike about 40 miles in four and a half days through the mountains of Virginia and North Carolina, carrying everything they need on their backs. Let us pray for them, for their safety, for their security as they hike the wilderness trail and return safely home as they explore your great outdoors, O God of creation. Thirdly, we pray for tomorrow, the most recent of our federal holidays called Juneteenth. On January 1st, 1863, Abraham Lincoln, president, proclaimed the Emancipation Proclamation when Americans were freed from slavery by the federal troops. Uh, This was two and a half years after that, when these federal troops arrived in Texas, Galveston, Texas, with the message, all slaves are free from their estimated, for the estimated quarter of a million Swedes that were there at the time, slaves that were there at the time. Not only are we celebrating the originally called Freedom Day, now called Juneteenth, but we're also recommending recommitting ourselves as Christians to fighting oppression and injustice wherever we find it. May God help us do that, to fight oppression and injustice wherever we find it. And finally, O oh God, today we pray for those within this congregation and their families and friends and neighbors for whatever needs and concerns they have. We know, O oh God, that you will be with them with their uncertainties, with their problems, with their issues, whatever they may be. Amen. I chose three different scripture readings related to my message today. The first is from Psalm 100. which I think is going to appear on the screen. 
I've got this divided into two parts. Actually, John from the first service created this as a call to worship in the first service, where it says, L, that'll be me, and you are the P, people. Shout with joy to the Lord. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him, singing with joy. Know that the Lord is God. He made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Go into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name. For the Lord is good. His unfailing love continues forever and his faithful continues all generations. Amen. The second scripture I chose is from the book of Joshua in the Old Testament. Joshua was actually, according to Jewish scripture, chosen by God to be Moses' successor. He's probably well known for Joshua fit the battle of Jericho and the 8,000 year old city of Jericho for his militancy and the armies that they, they used. He was criticized by theologians through the years because of the militancy and the killing that took place. But Joshua had a lot of leadership abilities and some of those qualities are those we can share with each other. He told his troops in Joshua chapter 10, verse 25, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, be strong and courageous. We can support each other with those words, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, be strong and courageous. And the third was from the apostle Paul's letter to the church in Acts with the church in Athens, Greece. The Acts of the Apostles, chapter 17. In fact, God isn't far away from any of us. It is in God in whom we live and move and have our being. God isn't far from any of us. It is in God in whom we live and move and have our being. As I said, I've entitled my message, A Test of Faith. Has your faith ever been tested? Really tested? Have you ever had a major tragedy in your life or some that you know had a major tragedy? How did you deal with that tragedy? Testing your faith. I'm going to tell you a true story this morning about a man named Tom. Gene and Tom met in the fall of their first year of graduate school, a seminary actually, Garrett Theological Seminary, a seminary of the United Methodist Church, which is located on Northwestern University's campus in Evanston, Illinois. Jean was a nurse at Evanston Hospital, having received her bachelor's degree in nursing at the University of Iowa. She came to Garrett with with the goal of becoming a medical missionary, but on a part-time basis. Tom entered Garrett with the goal of becoming a campus minister, having been very active in the Wesley Foundation in college. Both Jean and Tom had been very active in their local congregations while growing up and had very positive images of the church and its mission. Their first date was the end of October. During the course of that academic year, they began to realize that they were falling in love and wanted to get married. The second year, Tom began a required field education program in a United Methodist Church, First United Methodist in DeKalb, Illinois, a college community about 80 miles west of Chicago. He commuted each weekend serving as their youth director. 
During the course of that year, due to the Christian community and the groups he was a part of and the support he received, he was asked to continue with that ministry while in seminary and was hired full-time to serve during the summers and part-time during the weekends. His expanded job description included visiting in parishioners' homes, making hospital calls, nursing home calls, leading worship, as well as being the youth director. He then felt more called to be a total minister of Christian education, children, youth, and adults, the total package. Jean continued working full-time as a nurse while taking courses part-time. They married the next summer in Jean's hometown, Moline, Illinois. Tom stretched out his three-year seminary career to four years to allow his part-time ministry to continue and for him to take extra courses in Christian education and pastoral counseling. They both graduated seminary in the same year. Jean, a master's degree in Christian education, and Tom, a master of divinity degree. Tom was appointed associate pastor to serve as the minister of Christian education in a large suburban congregation, 2,400-plus members, very active, in Downers Grove, Illinois, a western suburb of Chicago. Jean discovered that with her master's degree from Garrett that she was qualified to teach at a three-year school of nursing in Chicago. It was actually a United Methodist Church um, school of nursing. And two, after two years of teaching there, she actually received a scholarship to pursue a master's degree in nursing, a full ride plus a monthly stipend. She really enjoyed the work and was highly rewarded for it. They were very active in a young couples group in this church in Downers Grove, and they realized they wanted to start a family in the immediate future. A number of months went by, and Jean discovered she was pregnant. But that lasted a very short time, and they were very disappointed, both disappointed, believed that future tries would be successful. Tom had the other, another opportunity to serve a large congregation after being in Downers Grove five years, and he was called back to the, be the associate pastor, the same kind of program emphasis at the First United Methodist Church of Evanston, where Garrett Seminary and Northwestern University are located. That congregation had undergone a great deal of turmoil for several years and had lost a significant number of members. Tom was a part of the sealing team. And during this time, Jean was very active at first in teaching adult classes in the church, was very active in the League of Women Voters in Chicago and its National Security Study Committee. She was also active in Evanston United Way, recruited and supervised 48 workers in her ward. But after four, four plus years, she, she became very disillusioned with that particular church and her interest waned. She wasn't happy. Tom was very stymied about it all because she really didn't explain her thoughts and feelings very well or her opinions. Tom was very well liked and respected in this congregation and also had several leadership positions in the Northern Illinois Annual Conference. They still had not been able to become pregnant and had begun the process of adoption. After five years, Tom decided it was best for him to take a sabbatical year to explore other vocational options. Jean continued as a full-time nursing instructor, her ministry. She taught courses in medical surgical nursing, community health nursing, and psychiatric nursing. She was also an advisor to the senior class where she taught nursing students. Hoping that an adoption could become a reality, Jean resigned at the end of the academic year 
and took a position a staff, as a staff nurse at a Chicago hospital near the condominium which they had purchased and lived. Tom decided on a career with the federal government with the United States Department of the Treasury, specifically the Internal Revenue Service. Within a few weeks of Thomas hiring in October, they received a call from the adoption agency that a baby girl had suddenly become available. Nancy came into their lives at five days of age. Jean and Tom were ecstatic. Jean immediately took time off for several months, eventually going back to work part-time as a nurse at this neighborhood hospital. She was seen as a super nurse there, as well as in the nursing school and in the first hospital she served in Evanston. She had received rave reviews from peers, supervisors, and students from all three locations. As a significant side note to this story, both Tom and Jean, when they were in seminary, there was a big emphasis on knowing yourself in order to help others and counsel others. Many students were involved in individual therapy and group therapy and in clinical pastoral education, typically a three-month program involving serving in a hospital setting with several other graduate students with a licensed supervisor. That was encouraged. Both Jean and Tom participated in all of the above. And Jean's graduate programming in psychiatric nursing also required individual and group therapy and serving as a counselor and co-leader with various types of groups of people with different needs. She was evaluated very highly. But even with all this, Jean was not interested in participating in any church at this time, but her work schedule often involved Sundays. Time passed quickly. Nancy soon was in kindergarten in the small private school where she had been in daycare two blocks from their condo in Chicago. Nancy turned five-year-olds in October, having begun kindergarten. They thought seriously about selling their condo and purchasing a single-family home back in Evanston or in Skokie or somewhere in the northern suburbs so Nancy could go to a public neighborhood school for first grade. They listed their condo for sale with a realtor in the building, a friend of theirs. They had made a number of friends in the condo building, singles, couples, family with the boy slightly older than Nancy. Anticipating a move to the suburbs, Jean applied and was accepted as a staff nurse back again at Evanston Hospital to the northern suburb where she had started her nursing career. This was in March. In early April, Jean came home from working there about six weeks and said she had quit, no notice given. She could not take the pressure anymore. Jean said she would look into less stressful positions in the nursing field, of which there were many. They talked about her receiving counseling again. So she did make an appointment. They planned to drive to Moline, Illinois for the Easter weekend. They were going to leave on Good Friday, April 17th, for the Easter weekend. And she had made an appointment with a counselor for the Tuesday after Easter. Well, Tom promised to feed their neighbor's cat in the building on Good Friday before they left. Lois's daughter, Josie, had been Nancy's main babysitter through the years, and they had gone to Florida for the week. So Tom arrived home around 12.30 and parked his car in the driveway in front of the condo, anticipating leaving very shortly for Moline. Upon entering the condo, Tom was really surprised to find Nancy home. Jean said she did not take her to kindergarten that day because they were going to be leaving shortly after noon in order to drive to her parents' home. Tom noticed that Jean had barely begun to pack her suitcase, but suddenly remembered he had to go to the 23rd floor to feed Lois and Josie's cat. He started to leave, but Nancy shouted and said, Daddy, may I come along? I want to go. 
So Tom and daughter left their condo on the fourth floor to take the elevator to the 23rd floor. They were gone about eight minutes, tops. Upon their return, it was very quiet. Their loving dog, Spritz, at Great Pyrenees, was lying in the living room. Tom called out for Jean and looked in the main bedroom and bathroom. No sign of Jean. The secondary bathroom door was closed. Tom thought Jean was using this bathroom. Nothing usual, nothing unusual. He walked Nancy into her bedroom and suggested she look at a book while Tom checked out what was going on. So Tom went to that bathroom door and noticed a sign marked with a crayon on the door. Please do not let Nancy in here. Sorry. Tom cautiously opened the door and discovered that Jean was hanging from the shower door with an exercise rope around her neck. He screamed, Jean, what, what have you done? And lifted her up and off into the carpeted floor in the hallway. He immediately began mouth-to-mouth resuscitation. Eventually, she started to breathe. He called 911 to say what had happened. Nancy was hysterical and asked over and over, Daddy, is Mommy going to live? Is Daddy going to die? Is Daddy going to live? Is Mommy going to die? Over and over. Soon the EMTs arrived to take Jean to the nearest emergency room. They said Tom had done all he, could have, all he could have done. The police arrived soon afterward and interviewed Tom as a matter of policy. Tom called a friend in the building who had worked with Jean at the nursing school. Phyllis was a guidance counselor, had known all of them a number of years. She met Tom and Nancy at the emergency room at the hospital. Jean was in a coma. They pumped her stomach, nothing was found. Eventually, a diagnosis was made, anoxia, significant lack of oxygen to the brain. She was there about a week. Jean's mother and sister arrived from Moline, Illinois that night. Tom's parents drove from Minnesota and arrived three days later. Jean was moved to a regular hospital for a week and was given various medications, some for depression, even though she had no psychological or cognitive abilities whatsoever. Then she was moved to the Rehabilitation Institute of Chicago, a renowned facility. There they taught her how to eat, how to drink, and how to slowly walk again. She had no idea of what happened and needed 24-7 care. After about three months, Tom was told that he needed to find a full-time personal care attendant for Jean at home as she was being released from the hospital. Insurance would cover two weeks of nursing care, Monday through Friday. During those two weeks, there were three different nurses. On three of the days, no one showed up at all, no notice. Tom had to take off work to be with her. <coughs> Insurance did not cover personal care attendance, and it took a number of do- days to locate a person for the position. Tom filed for Social Security disability benefits. Gene qualified, but it would take at least six months before they would receive any monetary benefits at all. Thanks to Tom's parents, financial assistance, and Tom's income, basic bills could be paid. A fund was set up by some of the former nursing instructors and their spouses to help cover physical therapy, occupational therapy, and speech therapy that insurance no longer covered. Tom got a transfer from the Internal Revenue Service from Chicago to Moline, Illinois, to be closer to Jean's families for some support. 
The condo was sold in Chicago, and Tom purchased a very modest home in Moline. Totally disabled wife, new job, new location, five-and-a-half-year-old daughter. If all of this was not enough, during that summer, Tom's mother had several severe strokes in Minnesota and almost died. She was in a nursing home. Tom was an only child. The following April, Tom's father suffered a severe heart attack and gastrointestinal surgery and almost died in Minnesota as well. In one year, Tom's wife, Tom's mother, and Tom's father almost died. Tom was a single parent with a young daughter, now six years of age. What did Tom do? How did Tom make it all through all this pain, all of these stresses? He relied on God, his inner strength, on friends and relatives in several states. One of the first things he did in Chicago, right after everything happened, was to call the pastor he had worked with at First United Methodist Church in Evanston, Illinois, and request that he gather together several clergy friends and laity in the congregation for a meeting to explain everything. This happened quickly, and they were very supportive. They offered prayers and encouraged time to contact any of them for assistance. Through the following months, many cards and letters from friends in the Chicago area and Moliniers in Illinois and relatives and friends in Minnesota arrived. Tom and Jean and Nancy became involved in Jean's Home United Methodist Church in Moline, Illinois, received a great deal of support there. Tom hired another personal care attendant. Time passed quickly. Five years later, they moved to Minnesota after Tom's mother died, as his dad needed support. The Internal Revenue Service arranged a transfer. The IRS was terrific. Tom again searched for and hired another personal care attendant. Several years passed. Tom, Jean eventually needed full-time professional care that Tom could not handle, even with a personal care attendant. And eight years later, she was placed in a residential brain injury program and four years later a nursing home where she remains today. Tom's father lived with Tom and daughter Nancy for over four years until he died. They were active in his parents' United Methodist Church in Minnesota. Eventually, he decided to divorce Jean. He remarried in 2002, having met his new wife during Nancy's senior year of high school. She graduated high school in 2000 and was a member of National Honor Society and active in basketball and tennis. She went to Hamlin University United Methodist School in St. Paul, Minnesota for the first two years and decided to transfer to Florida Southern College here in Lakeland, Florida, another United Methodist-related school for her last two years. Tom and his wife decided to move to Florida as well. Nancy graduated college. God isn't far away from any one of us. It is in God in whom we live and move and have our being. This became a mantra, a daily mantra for Tom as he experienced Christian community and congregations through the years. Tom learned how to ask for help from friends, from family, from church members, from pastors. They helped. They prayed. Tom received love and support from his church and professional communities through all of those years. You know, people do not often know what to do. But when they're asked, 
they come through. They are there. Tom and Nancy survive by the grace of God and the Holy Spirit working in their lives with the help of friends and relatives and the Christian community. This story is very tragic. A beautiful woman, a gracious and charming woman, a sorority woman, a graduate in nursing from the University of Iowa, a woman with a master's degree in Christian education from Gera Theological Seminary in Evanston, Illinois, a woman with a master's degree in nursing from St. Xavier College in Chicago, a highly respected nurse and nursing instructor, a woman who had her own personal and group therapy, a woman who counseled individuals and groups as a part of her master's degree, a woman who knew how to get help. But her family and friends would never know what was going on in her mind. She did not share anything with her friends or relatives or her husband. Right after the tragedy, Tom took the appointment with the therapist that Jean had scheduled for the Tuesday after Easter. The counselor shared her notes with Tom while talking with Jean on the phone. Jean had said she felt like a failure, a failure as a woman, as a wife, as a mother. Jean did not seek help from the church or even her husband or friends or even wait to see the new counselor. It is now 36 years later. Jean has been failing. She still resides in that nursing home in Minnesota, ironically not knowing where she is or what happened to her and is now in palliative care. None of us can control many of the events that happen in our lives, that may happen in our lives. But we can control how we will respond to them. I do not know what tomorrow holds, but I do know who controls tomorrow. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Be strong and courageous. As Joshua told his troops, and as we can support each other with, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, be strong and courageous. I hope each of you can find solace and support as you worship and study and serve the church and find help and support wherever you or your loved ones need assistance. Barbara Jean Haywood Boyer is dead for Tom and Nancy, but is yet alive. Brooke Nancy Boyer Martinez is happily married to Jason with two children, soon to be ninth grade Ava and seventh grade Evan in Walden Lake, Plant City, Florida. Tom is my middle name. I coped. I trusted God. I asked for help. I am very happy and blessed now with my wife of 21 years, Carlene. Two bonus sons and one bonus daughter as well. Twelve grandchildren in three states. Seven granddogs. God is with all of us now and forever. Amen.